from HerbMentor.com, this is HerbMentor Radio. You are listening to HerbMentor Radio on HerbMentor.com. This is John Gallagher. My guest today is Maria Atwood. Maria is a certified natural health professional and has produced a DVD called Cook Your Way to Wellness. It's a demonstration for making nourishing foods inspired by Sally Fallon's nourishing traditions. Sally has said that Maria's DVD is a great companion to her book and perfect for beginners new to the nourishing tradition principles. Her website is traditionalcook.com. Welcome, Maria. Hi, how are you, John? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's I'm excited to have you here today, and, and I just want to thank Tina Sams, uh, um, an awesome presence from the Essential Herbal uh, Magazine on HerbMentor.com for sending me your way. Um, so I loved your uh, DVD, um, Demonstrations of Kefir, Fermented Vegetables, Whey, Beet Kvass, Kombucha, Bone Broth, Butter, Grains, Nuts, Jerky, um, all wonderful and simple demonstrations. Now, um... Now, here's the thing, like, if this was my first time hearing about this way of cooking, this way of eating, um, and f- for many it will, since uh, we mostly get uh, an herbal audience on herbmentor.com, but what happens when uh, people get here is that all the, the um, that all this healthy stuff that goes along, it goes along with the same principles of herbal nourishment that we advocate on herbmentor.com. And this nourishing base is why you see a lot of folk herbalists these days, you know, wielding their copies of Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. And that's how I found out about it too. Uh, getting into herbalism from the nourishing, uh, nourishing herb side of things and people are like, you've got to read this. So, um, so Maria, I just want to start with, uh, you know, where, where does this kind of of eating this kind of diet come from? What are the origins? Well, John, I, I think the origins are just ancestral. Um, you know that our ancestors, of course, uh, ate lacto-fermented foods and nourishing foods, uh, you know, from time immemorial. And somewhere along the line, I think we just uh, lost our way. And uh, who knows for how destiny works, but... Uh, Sally Fallon, um, of course, is the president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, mm-hmm. and she had a lot of trouble uh, trying to publish her book, Nourishing Traditions, and so eventually she published it herself. And in that book, um, she tells about how Dr. Weston Price uh, traveled to many, many countries um, looking at different cultures and eventually came up with uh, the entire uh whole um, idea of having uh, lacto-fermented foods and other nourishing foods. Uh, Dr. Royal Lee also was uh, who uh, in, who uh, came up with a standard process supplements also worked with uh, Dr. Price. So that's basically how it came about being, but uh, lacto-fermented foods and uh, so that's basically how it came about being, but uh, lacto-fermented foods and uh, Nourishing foods like raw butter, raw milk, uh, all of these things, uh, grass-fed beef, uh, come all the way back. And each one of us has our ancestors uh, that, in fact, uh, cooked this way and thought nothing of it. Now we see that it's uh, a whole new idea to us because we're so processed, uh, eating so much processed food. 
So it's like uh, we're Homo sapien 1.0 and we should be eating what Homo sapien 1.0 ate. And <laughs> Well, sense. yeah, I mean, those those are the things that uh, should bring us a, a whole way around, and so we, we just need to recognize that uh, this is not new information, but I think that uh, Sally Fallon has done uh, the world uh, a favor beyond even recognition because uh, Weston A. Price uh, Foundation is now national and international, and people like me and others are living extraordinarily healthy lives uh, because of this uh, beautiful uh, teaching. And so hopefully uh, today I can share some of those um, wonderful gems about mm-hmm. lacto-fermented foods and uh, encourage others to get going. Now, now can, 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 we, can you share with folks who might be you know, listening to this um, and hearing the name Weston Price for the first time, who who was Weston Price? He was a dentist, and uh, Weston A. Price, um, of course, there's uh, tons of information um, and, and books that he's written, but uh, he traveled the world over, and he studied the foods that helped our ancestors live long and healthy lives. He took hundreds of pictures of these cultures and sent home food samples and made some of the most profound discoveries about human health. And he found that when these tribes moved to the Western model of eating, they developed TB, tooth decay, and just numerous other modern-day diseases. But if you really want to get a deep understanding of the work of Dr. Weston Price, you'll want to read a book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Price's dying words, um, as we often hear, were, you teach, you teach, you teach. And so many of us, like myself, uh, who are chapter leaders uh, for the Weston A. Price Foundation, I run the uh, Eastern Plains of Colorado uh, Weston A. Huh? Price uh, chapter. And uh, that is what we try to do. We try to teach and teach and teach. Okay. And 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 uh, the Weston Price Foundation, is that, uh, what's their website, westonprice.org? I mean, so it's uh, <laughs> www. WestonAPrice.org. Okay. And, and Sally, uh-huh, Sally Fallon is the president of that of the organization. So, I think what what often helps folks connect with uh, why they might want to do this is hearing hear, hearing stories. So, what's your story? Um, you know, obviously you well you you weren't eating like this uh, all your life, right? So. No. Uh, so what's it, what's your I, story? What what got you into this? Well, I, I think that I have uh, my my story. Very briefly, is just simply that at one time um, in my in my in my very very young youth, I was just barely uh, somewhere between nineteen and twenty, and after a very very serious illness uh, that nearly took my mother's life, mm-hmm. um, I began on a quest to find better health. Mm-hmm. You know, just while we were still here. And I felt that, yeah, we will, we'll all, day, all of us will one day die, and, and some sickness, I think, is just part of the human experience. But, uh, and I'm no exception to the rule, John, but uh, I, I, too, have been subject to Mother Nature's wrath, but, but especially when I've gone against her laws. And uh, mm-hmm. during that time of my mother's illness, I uh, began to really look and ended up in uh, a very uh, disturbing, disappointing vegetarian diet. Now, mm. 
during that time, I, I ate a lot of grains. I ate a lot of and, and take your time with this story, too, because this is important, and we have all the time in the world here. We have no time limit. So go ahead. Tell, tell us what – I want to hear this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, remember that you can read the entire story on my on my on my we'll website. Get, we'll get to that, but we got you here. I want to hear your voice here. Tell tell me your story. So tell us okay. about the vegetarian. You're a vegetarian. Why didn't that work for you? Well, uh, you know, it, my and I was and the interesting part about this whole thing, my story, is because I was reared with a mother that used lard, fresh butter, milk. Uh, but she, you know, unfortunately uh, ended up and fell prey to the advertising uh, ease of, you know, microwave foods and oils that were quick and easy. Hmm. And so I began to do serious nutritional study after her terrible operation. And the diet I chose was almost strictly vegan. And it conditioned me to think that animals were not for human consumption and that Saturated fats were the main cause of heart disease and numerous other such warnings. And I know that now that th those are just myths. But the diet permitted me to have no milk, no dairy, no butter, no uh -huh. fish. And I drank a lot of soy milk during that time, which we now know is absolutely dangerous uh, to, to be drinking uh, soy or eating any kind of soy without being fermented first. All right. So I, I just ate that until I, I reached about, oh, I don't know, it was in my late, maybe my late 40s or so that I began feeling tired and I, my joints were creaking and I, I, you know, that just was the norm for me and it just wasn't what I had expected out of this wonderful turn of events where I, you know, quit eating processed foods and stuff and was, I thought, living a very healthy diet. So... Uh, I began to add supplements to my diet, trying mm -hmm. to make things work for me, and it just it just never happened. I just kept getting worse and worse. And uh, you know, every, it seems like every life has a, a turning point, something that rivets us to a new direction. And for me, it was a very very serious fall that I took at work, and I broke my shoulder in four different places. Hmm. And this fall left me progressively in a worsened state. I had tremendously aching, stiff muscles, body pains. But then I began to lose ground immune system-wise. I began to have frequent colds, digestive problems, and I developed a very serious asthma condition. And needless to say, I felt fatigued. And uh, since I'd always been such a health advocate, I, I was frankly ashamed to even admit that to, to my family that I was so ill but uh, something at that time and who knows for what reason again but uh, something really remarkable happened and I was uh, communicating with Jen Albaugh that I took at work and I broke my shoulder in four different places hmm. and this fall left me progressively in a worsened state I had tremendously aching stiff muscles body pains but then I began to lose ground immune system-wise. I began to have frequent colds, digestive problems, and I developed a very serious asthma condition. And needless to say, I felt fatigued. And uh, since I'd always been such a health advocate, I, I was frankly ashamed to even admit that to, to my family that I was uh, so ill. But uh, something at that time, and who knows for what reason again, but... Uh, Something really remarkable happened, and I was 
uh, communicating with Jen Albrighton, um, who is the chapter leader of, uh, of the uh, Weston A. Price uh, mm-hmm. chapter leader in Denver. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned to me about a Sally Fallon seminar. Well, I didn't know who Sally Fallon was. But sitting in her seminar and listening to her talk about raw food and seeing her vibrant face and looking around me and seeing all these other people who are eating just a great deal of uh, meat with lots of saturated fat and (laughs) eating the chicken skin and making uh, broth out of bones and eating the marrow and eating full-bodied cream that was raw and butter. I could not believe the beauty in these people's faces. Mm. So I I just made the turn that day, and a few months after I started cooking um, from the Nourishing Traditions cookbook, you know, my energy level skyrocketed, and my rather low spirits began to disappear, and mm-hmm. my anxieties lessened, and the, interestingly, the pain in, in my uh, joints began to feel a lot better. And so I, I suddenly said... Th- this is real food. This is the way we were supposed to eat. And my mother had done this, but she had left it. So I grew up uh, primarily on a processed diet. So at this point, I uh, I began to cook and to learn how to make kefir. And it took me endless amounts of time of trying to read books and trying to go on sites to figure out what was happening. And I'm more visual than I than I'm a reader. I, yeah, me I too. <laughs> Me too. I love it. Yeah, and so I, I, I just I got, after about uh, a year and a half, I, I suddenly said, "We need a DVD." I'm the new people that are coming on, and people like me who are chapter leaders need to train other people. Well, we could spend monumental amounts of time doing this kind of work, and having to carry around heavy, heavy uh, jars of all kinds of stuff. So I decided that a little DVD was needed. And I um, had the good fortune of having a close friend, a uh, co-worker of mine, who, in fact, uh, videotaped that. Mm. And then I wrote the backup booklets because there's always things that people need to learn. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually my, my story, not, an, not a tremendously exciting one. But I can tell you that um, the chant is still out in the uh, normal community that uh, we shouldn't eat this way. And the scientific evidence on the Weston A. Price Foundation website is overwhelming. You can learn <laughs> and you can know that uh, very, very few of us uh, really have the, the knowledge of how to stay well-balanced with a vegetarian or, or even worse, a vegan diet, and we see that every day. In my case, um, I can only tell you that you know, my life as far as health goes um, is just tremendously different than it was when I started this. And I and I uh, will reiterate, you know, at reinforce too that on the 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 the, pri- the westernaprice.org site there are articles you can read if someone is listening to this going, yeah, but every one of my health food stores says that soy milk is the, which you should drink. Um, that there are whole articles, scientifically backed articles on that site in relation to soy, uh, vegetarian diets and whatnot, right? I mean, they're all there. Well, well yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, so you can, you can read has, all this. Sorry, but do you know that uh, on the soy, uh, the soy part of this uh, whole thing is that soy isoflavonoids are phytoendocrine disruptors. 
Mm-hmm. And at dietary levels, they can prevent ovulation, and they can stimulate the growth of cancer cells. And eating as little as 30 milligrams of isoflavonates from about 30 grams soy protein per day can result in hypothyroidism and with symptoms of lethargy, constipation, weight gain, fatigue. Now, this is not uh, Maria Atwood talking. This information is on the Weston A. Price Foundation website. All you need to do is go to their search and put uh, soy hazards or just the word soy. And soy foods also contain uh, uh, trypsin inhibitors that inhibit protein digestion and they affect pancreatic function. Mm-hmm. And they also increase the body's requirement for vitamin uh, D uh, needed for strong bo- bones and normal growth. So mega doses of phytoestrogens in soy formulas, especially soy formulas, have been implicated in the current trend towards uh, increasing premature sexual development in girls and delayed or retarded development uh, in boys. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, please feel free, uh, your listeners uh, or anyone, to, to go there and to study that and be able to uh, talk to the issue of soy. Uh, this is not a good food. Um, and although uh, things like uh, uh, tofu and uh, things that are fermented, not tamari, tofu, tamari uh, is, a, is, a, is a good food because it has been fermented. But, you know, I, it's, it's a... It's a myth that Asians uh, eat a lot of a lot of soy, especially uh, fermented soy. Uh, not even they eat the amount of uh, fermented soy products that Americans are now consuming and continuing to think it's healthy. So uh, this this is just uh, not a good uh, a good thing to um, encourage people to do. But of course, uh, I'm not the expert, but Weston A. Price is, and they offer. Uh, you all the proof that you could possibly want. Mm-hmm. And what's more natural than milk? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, the soy, <laughs> the soy lobbying uh, is way, has way more money than the dairy lobbying. Oh yes, ever. and and you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, after <laughs> I realized about soy, I said, you know, soybean water is not milk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, no, that was my. My realization, if you will, I had a moment because I drank a lot of soy, and I think that maybe at that time is uh, is a part of it. Part of the tremendous problems that I was having with thyroid and issues like that was because I didn't know any better. Uh, so, so again, going back over and over again to the idea that one person can move, um, uh, you know, mountains. Uh, I, I can tell you that Sally Fallon has done that for us, and. I, for one, will be forever grateful. My, my son called, said something, my nine-year-old said, recently said something about soy milk, and then I went and I got a, a soybean, and I went up, and I said, soy milk? That pill on the I said, show me where the breasts are on this soybean. <laughs> and he's like, okay, Dad, good point. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so, uh, so, lacto, so lacto-fermented foods, um, what do you mean by lacto-fermented, um, how, and how is this good for our health? Well, first of all, let me, let me briefly just define lacto-fermented foods because as I found, it's a new term for many people and mm-hmm. a major reason that I made the DVD, Cook Your Way to Wellness, mm-hmm. and wrote the free booklet. Um, uh, I, for, uh, I'm one of those that ha- had never heard of the words uh, lactic, uh, lactic acid before reading Sally Fallon's uh, 
cookbook nursing traditions and then joined a local chapter of the Weston A. Price Foundation. Now, for a quick overview, overview let me just have you understand that uh, there are natural bacteria uh, that produce lactic acid. And uh, these are destroyed with pasteurized and cooked foods. Um, but nevertheless, they're essential to maintain our healthy intestinal flora and to control acidity. Mm-hmm. Now, these fermented wonder foods actually change the properties of food, and it makes them more digestible and in helping us to digest dead foods uh, better. And now I'm ta- and I'm not talking about pickled uh, foods that have been pickled with vinegar. That is not a fermented food, by the way, uh, although a lot of people mm-hmm. think it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, lactofermentation also prevents against infections and fungi in the gut. And uh, there's a super great book titled Making Sauerkraut. It's by uh, it's written by Klaus Kaufman and Annalise Schoenig, and it makes these great points. And let me just uh, let me just review a few of them. First of all, it prevents decay not only in food but in the bowels. Think of that just for a minute, mm-hmm. preventing decay. How many of us, I think, must be rotting from the inside out, if you'll excuse the expression. Mm-hmm. And lactic foods stimulate the peristaltic movement of the intestines. And uh, that's so important because, uh, I mean, uh, medications and for uh, constipation are a major, major, major purchase in the United States and all over the all over the world probably. Mm-hmm. But lactic acid does stimulate the peristaltic movement. It also assists in, in the circulation of the blood, and it has. This is one of the points that I loved about it when I read this book, and it says that they have a harmonizing effect on the stomach, and it strengthens the acidity of the gastric juice when production lags, and it reduces the acidity when the production is up. I mean, think about the miracle. We are taking massive amounts of antacids trying to cure the, the, uh, our acid uh, supposedly GERD problems, mm-hmm. and here is a simple, natural, uh, God-given substance that uh, does just that for us. It, it, it you know, strengthens the acidity when the gastric juices need it and reduces it when there's too much acid. So, I mean, perfect antacid, right? Yes. And then, uh, last but not least on the lactic acid, it, 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 it encourages the function of the pancreas, which is, you know, the pancreas is responsible for, for making those uh, probiotics, you know, when we're not doing anything, and we, I think we tire it out. But uh, when lactic acid, like I said, encourages the function of the pancreas, which in turn stimulates the secretions of the digestive organs, and it is of special importance to people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. So with our now sad diet in which practically every food we eat is processed, cooked, microwaved, uh, pasteurized, and it's basically rendered dead. And, uh, so, and, that, and that's so we, why we, when we say sad diet, we mean standard American diet, sad, yes, right? Yes, sad. <laughs> standard American diet where there are no fresh... Uh, Fresh herbs. There's no. There are no. There's no raw milk. There. I mean, it's just strictly. You know, you uh, put it in that horrible microwave. And ah! even if you don't, even if you don't microwave, which I I, I am deeply opposed to. Me too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> no, I haven't had one for years. Never but, owned uh, one. <laughs> so, in my opinion, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, people just are much better trained than I, but, uh, but if we eat lacto-fermented foods, it's a missing link. It's the missing link in our diets. Mm -hmm. And it's um, the answer to your question about why are lacto-fermented mm. foods good for your health and are they healthy for us? I mean, hopefully I've explained that in mm -hmm. such a way that it's not con too complex mm -mm. Uh, for people to really grasp how important this, uh, this portion of their diet should be. And lacto-fermented foods should be eaten at every meal. Exactly. So At every single meal... They should, you should have either kefir, a yogurt, uh, uh, you know, beet kvass, um, fermented veggies. Uh, so many beverages are just wonderful that are fermented. Now, let's get into that then. So we have talked about Western Price. We've talked about nourishing traditions and how what fermented foods are and how they're good for us and about a couple of the things that the myths out there like soy and all. Um, now... I'm, I'm listening to this. All right, you've convinced me, Maria. I'm going to take a look at this book. I'm interested. I need my first step. What's the first thing that you would tell someone that they could make? Well, uh, first of all, I would tell them to, to of course, um, go to my website and buy the book. Of course, edition. of course, of course. But but if <laughs> you're if you're if you're them. like talking to someone and, and you're consulting right. as you do with people and they don't have the book yet or this and they said, Oh that's interesting. Just before I don't know if I want to buy this book, uh, but tell what's one thing I could make uh, that I can do in my kitchen? What's what's the first step? Well I think that for beginners, uh, and and it was for me, I the more I read about Kiefer uh, the more I began to want to drink that drink. I mean, I had, I had seen, I, I already had the book, but that was the one drink that the more I read about both on the Internet and, on, uh, and saw other people, Keeper just really fascinated me. Right. And come to find out, it's really one of the most powerful lacto-fermented foods. Now, it tastes just a bit sour, uh, much more sour, I think, than yogurt. Mm -hmm. But it has a similar, similar bacterial, good bacterial properties uh, like yogurt. So just so that people understand that kefir is a fermented food. But it's a lot more potent than yogurt. Now, it's usually made with raw milk and what we call a culture or kefir grains. And kefir grains are just... Uh, small uh, tapioca-like looking uh, uh, little things that we call grains, I think just for the ease of trying to describe it. But it is the culture that makes milk become kefir or lacto-fermented. Mm -hmm. And uh, explaining how the cultures came about and what they are actually composed of, etc., would just take way, up, way too much time today. But essentially the kefir grains... Um, which grow, uh, grew out of uh, raw milk products uh, as our ancestors traveled, you know, uh, through their countries and had no refrigeration. Mm -hmm. And they have had these for centuries, and they simply passed these keeper grains down, and these beautiful little gems of uh, bac good bacteria are self-perpetuating once you begin to make keeper, so you don't have to keep buying the keeper grains over and over again. Wow. Now, one of the more interesting aspects of kefir is the sci is that science, as I understand from some of the material out there, 
have, they have not even been able to identify all the bacterial strain wow. in real kefir. Huh. Now that that's huge because uh, uh, because we then know that it's it's the power of this food is beyond our comprehension for all intents and purposes uh, as far as you know knowing every little bit about it and how it's created. But um, and also let's remember that real kefir uh, is not what you buy at your local health food store and is not what I'm describing here. Right. Or what I would show you in my DVD at the health food store, those those kefirs, um, they have fillers and sugars and massive amounts of carbohydrates right. and uh, things that are not not good for you. So, if you really want the the finest beverage um, that there is to start out with, I would start with kefir and follow that up quickly with beet kvass. What a great way to get these probiotics, as as they say. And some people, for some people, that's a new term, probiotic. And what we mean is that we're creating life instead of being antibiotic, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And and uh, and people who uh, say, well, you know, I don't need to do that. I I can just take a bottle of probiotic, right? Mm. Well, you know, the probiotic market today, just simply, in my opinion, does not have the same uh, strains uh, of uh, that, that the keeper does. Otherwise, uh, you know, we, you know, si- the, the information that science has not discovered all the strains wouldn't be out there. But also the expense, it's extremely expensive. And as far as I'm concerned, not nearly as much fun as sitting down to a wonderful dinner with your small glass of keeper there or waking up in the morning and making a smoothie with, uh, right. you know, whatever fruits you want and uh, keeper along with it. You know what's really interesting about this is we're making kefir, yogurt, you know, we're using cultures. We call them cultures. And as you said before, that people handed them down, you know, handed down their culture. And in our, in our, you know, in our modern world where cultures just seem to have been blown apart, it's almost as if, Cultures starting to assemble again. Like there are, we have these, now we have these cultures of people using these cultures. <laughs> well, you know, John, something interesting that just came to my mind as yeah. you were saying that is that, you know, another fascinating book that I recently read is, um, it's called Truly Cultured, and it's the author is Nancy Bentley. Hmm. And if you want to read a, a fascinating book on cultures and culture. Uh, the foods, actually, the cultured foods. And uh, th- this book is, I, I highly recommend that uh, people get a copy of it and, and read it, uh, read Nancy Bentley's book, Truly Cultured. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, um, how does whey fit into this? Does whey fit into kefir, or is that, does that come from something else? Well, the way that I that I do whey and, the re- and the, what I use it for, of course, is to produce other lacto-fermented vegetables or fruits or drinks. I see. Whey is the byproduct uh, that I get when I drain my kefir. Okay. My drain my I. You actually in the DVD you can see where I actually uh, use a colander, and uh, of course the ex- explanation is also in the Nourishing Traditions book. But I use a colander and I drain my kefir. Okay. Now. Once I drain the kefir, then I'm able to uh, also uh, go through another little draining process. And from that, I get kefir cheese, which Mm -hmm. stays on the top. 
and the whey, which is a very clear liquid, uh, you know, is on the is on the uh, bottom. Mm-hmm. Now that's the way I produce my whey, and it's very strong and it's very good. Now there are other ways. Some people drain their yogurt and they get whey that way, mm-hmm. or you've heard of curds and whey. You take raw milk mm-hmm. and you virtually let it sit in on a counter for days at a time and pretty soon it separates that's a way also so mm-hmm. I think there's a, a number of various ways but my my preferred way is to uh, drain my kefir and and get my way that way no way that's the way which we could almost make another whole whole uh, 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 interview here with uh, with whey because it's, it's also a very powerful digestive aid in itself. Oh, gosh. I and the powders I... that are being used are definitely not the kind of whey we're talking about here today. Uh, that's right. That's the thing you're seeing in the health food stores. You know, this is what's interesting. These A lot of live food terminology is becoming uh, buzzwords and people are trying to market them, and you can't market it, and it really needs to stay in the kitchen because it's it only really works, and that's what's beautiful about it. They can't manufacture it. It's something that has to get us back to our kitchens and create culture. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I can't agree with you more is that, uh, you know, there, there's nothing that you can buy in a can or a bottle or a whatever that isn't better made um, in your own kitchen, and... Uh, it brings about the, the essence of, of, of life. And I don't know, uh, today, of course, the art of cooking and the art of wanting to stay in a kitchen, uh, to a great extent, has been lost. But because of this uh, wonderful new way to, to do things and the health benefits, you're seeing, I'm seeing thousands and thousands of people uh, once again uh, going back into their kitchen uh, throwing away their microwaves and pulling out those uh, beautiful uh, dishes that, you know, they've long collected dust, and they begin to use them making real food. And I think that, that uh, it's exciting to see it happening again. And, and, and hopefully I, the pendulum swinging the other way. And I want to add something on here, too, for the uh, Herbmentor folks, the Herbmentor.com members, is that when you're hearing what Maria is saying, what we're talking about here. Now, combine that with how we talk on Herb Mentor. That's why we have a whole section on nourishing infusions. And, and Maria, to, to fill you in there, uh, this is using the wild plants, the nourishing value of the wild plants. Now, there's one more thing that I would say that add on what you said earlier about traditional, about way people ate. Another thing that people ate for generation to generation, oh, they also had some wild foods growing around them, and they oh, used yes. whether it be a dandelion leaf or maybe it be a, the the nettles or so. So putting in your nourishing herbal infusion, this is a really strong tea that uh, uh, that 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 really draws out the vitamin. It's a process that draws out the vitamins and minerals. Something you also can't buy in the health food store that you only can make with herbs that you either buy bulk, organic, or you pick yourself. Right, and you make this in your kitchen, uh, adding wild foods to your diet. Now, doing this and eating the lacto-fermented foods, all of this together, now you can see where we're coming from, if you haven't already, on Herb Mentor about health. It's staying healthy, and it's about healing through doing, through eating 
and, and having a good foundation. Now, if you've got something going on, something acute situation, you may need to take care of that with some stronger herbs or maybe uh, with your doctor with some medications that you're on to get through something. But um, while you're doing that, you can nourish yourself. What you can do all the time, no matter what meds you're on or what condition you have, you can always nourish yourself and be and, 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 and regain that health foundation, right? Well, and not only that, but uh, you know, fermented herbs uh, are no are no they're they're you know again historical and ancestral. Oh. And I heard not just recently that there was a gentleman at one of the conferences that was making a uh, was making fermented uh, wheatgrass juice. Interesting. And he could not keep up his production of it. I mean, people were just and learning how to make it. So uh, believe me, there's there's no reason that these grains and uh, and and these the lacto fermentation, which can take place with brining and salt, Celtic right. salt and good spring water, can't can't become a part of that. So I think that's going to be a new field of endeavor, where we're going to be seeing that the herbal community has. Uh, is going to begin to make uh, a lot more um, herbal uh, remedies and things of that nature uh, with, uh, you know, the cultures, like the gentleman I just said that's making fermented wheat right. for the grass. because I it's mean, about that's... putting it in your diet and not taking the herb as a supplement or a pill. And even, you know, even my wife, say with the kids, for example, though she, though we have videos that we made and stuff on Herb Mentor that show uh, Kimberly going through the process of making uh, a soda through the fermented process um, and uh, a fermented process. and um, But now she is also doing that with other, not just the berries and all, but also herbs like dandelion flowers, hawthorn. Yeah, she's doing it with that too. So. She, she, probably the, she probably also has, uh, if, 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 if your listeners have or have not, but I bet your wife certainly has heard of the book Sacred and Herbal Beers. Oh, I have it. uh, Do you have it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've made many recipes from that. Yeah. I love the meat. (laughs) Stephen Harrod, H-A-R-R-O-D. We already already interviewed Stephen Buhner. He's he's been interviewed on Herb Mentor Radio. You can go and download it. Oh, yeah. Well, I I bought his book. And and, and you see, I mean, that that is entirely herbal. Yeah. And uh, and very much in tune with with our philosophy at... uh, Weston A. Price, and so I think there's there's magic and so it's the magic the magic food that, that that you know we have forgotten you know because we're cooking everything and eating them in tea bags instead of you know growing our little gardens of beautiful herbs um, and uh, and trying to ferment some of them or do do other things with them. I'm not as familiar with herbal cooking as I am with uh, with the uh, other things uh, on the Western A Price food principles, but certainly there's huge amounts of room to bring those in because uh, they're like love and marriage. <laughs> exactly, and um, you know, and, and 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 just as my you know wife was is putting up those sodas or putting up a tincture or something to make, you know, this time of year she's been making, and you have a wonderful demonstration on the DVD. Uh, and probably one of the simplest things someone can make, and someone uh, I think something everyone loves, except for maybe little kids, is uh, sauerkraut. <laughs> exactly. And, and so tell us, I mean, just in a nutshell, how simple that is. I mean, you're just pounding cabbage and sticking salt in it, right? I mean, 
That's it. That's, that's really, <laughs> you know, the, the, the funny part about it is is that I, and, and again, another reason that I made the DVD is to assure people that this is simple. This is, this is not, uh, you know, this is not going to take you uh, an engineering degree to be able to do this. Uh, and, but when, sometimes when you read about things, they, they, you know, unless you know about something or have some, familiarity with it you're you're afraid to go in there and try it i don't know why because the worst thing you can do is is ruin a, a, a you know milk or something like that but uh it is simple it is simple but i think visual helps a whole lot it sure does it sure does just that i mean that's what i, I think you're the the fermented cooking equivalent of my webs of, of my website <laughs> because if, if, if my if my slogan is herbal medicine made simple yours is uh cooking and fermented foods made simple because that's when i looked at it i was like this is great you know um so sauerkraut and of course you know it's going to taste a little different than this this stuff um made with the vinegar um but you know i've been eating this sauerkraut for probably six seven years now that we've been making it every year uh because it's so dang easy to make in our in our community in our local csa community supported agriculture our local farm that we support gives us a lot of cabbages this time of year and uh it is the way that i prefer to eat the cabbage and if you're talking about earlier about putting a little condiment or a little bit in every meal that you have Every lunch or dinner, you could put a few tablespoons of sauerkraut out, and that's easy to make. It's cheap. Oh and yeah. It's and and uh, and it's and really tastes time, good. John. It, it's much better than the store bought stuff. I, well, and you know, right now there's, the, the, you know, everybody is a little bit on edge because of our the economic uh, situation. Uh, but just think of how wonderful it is for us that do know, and hopefully. Uh, can spread the news to people that these foods are essential, especially in a time of crises when they're, when they're, God willing, it'll never happen, but there could be a time when we do not have refrigeration or we do, or we had a, an extended, uh, period of, of time when we needed to ferment foods and mm-hmm. keep them in cool places. Uh, these are survivalist foods, so I, you know, in addition to being wonderfully healthy and good, uh, I think we need to have that that uh, way of preserving. We need to know how to preserve foods by fermenting them because uh, dr- uh, dried or dehydrated foods, of course, have vitamins, but they are they ha- do not have the same content of probiotic activity. Mm-hmm. And, and canning, of course, is uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, almost a processed food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the vitamins. And those kinds of things may be there, but every other food except fermented food, I believe, and you correct me, John, if I'm wrong mm-hmm. from your uh, knowledge base, is uh, basically uh, uh, somewhat of a pro- uh, pro- probiotics are just not present in them. Right, right. No, yes, um, usually denatured of all life. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you so know, we, it, need, we just need to have those uh, those uh, fermented foods uh, with our meals so that. Uh, you know, we just uh, they replenish the cells and feed us properly. And there, and I believe there is more to food than just you know the the uh, chemical constituents in them. There's there's there needs to be a life force in the foods. Um, and um, you know, best way I know the difference of that is when you have a meal. Um, 
you, first time, first times people eat like this and start to have meals with this food, with this kind of live food present, they, they, it feels different. They notice a shift. They notice Yeah, absolutely. Different. You'll notice the energy. People go, this is the best meal I ever had, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> And, and and getting and getting back to what you said about you know current economics and stuff, um, I just got in the mail, and you probably just got yours in the mail. I mean, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, my um, wise traditions publication from um, oh yeah from uh-huh. the Weston Price Foundation. Oh gosh, this is the best publications. A hundred plus pages. You get it quarterly if you're a member of the of the Weston Price Foundation. And and uh, did you read the article, Maria, um, by uh, Ann Sargent? PhD, uh, healthy eating shouldn't cost an arm and a leg. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance yet to read that, um, she starts out with, uh, you know, people are wondering the rising costs of everything. Uh, people always answer, you know, they, you talk about improving their diets, and they always they always say, oh, I can't, I can't afford that. And the real question should be, how can you? Afford, and she says, quote, how can you afford not to eat healthy with the high costs of being ill? Exactly. Pay me now or pay me later, John. Well, and she goes through here, and she documented in her family of six, okay, some have had health problems, had health problems and doctor's bills and medications. She documents what she paid in medical expenses, what she paid in food. Now, uh, after eating this way for uh, six months, um, her total medical costs were nearly about $1,600 less than than they were before she started eating this way. Um, the dental bills, there were no cavities. Okay? And the other thing is when you actually looked at the food cost, and this was the kicker, <laughs> that when she compared her previous diet and the high the cost of the standard American diet versus what she spent, the standard American diet cost her three thousand dollars more a year. Than um, in uh, than it did when she changed to eating uh, more locally, organic. Well, I think yeah, I think it's foods. more uh, satiating. Yes, and 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 so there. In other words, when people tell me, and and you probably get this too, but they often tell me, oh, I don't have the money for that. Um, you know, it, it, the arguments that. I mean, it's right here in this article, and it's and, and I'd say the same thing. I bet you my my food bills by going to the local organic farm, by going to the farmers market, um, by getting our milk locally, uh, raw milk, but uh, sometimes we can't get raw because uh, you know various reasons. Um, but we do our very best. And I'd say we definitely spend probably less than we would. Um, and, and then and then the article's great, too, because she goes into uh, things like ideas, like no, getting to know your budget busters, like eating out, for example, uh, buying, uh, making a budget, um, you know, things like that. So, hey, it might cost more if you're not paying attention, but she gives all the tips you need to pay attention uh, and, and, and gives you menu ideas, and it's really great, really great stuff. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So, so just so people are wondering, oh, I don't know if uh, it's kind of expensive to eat local. Well, not really. <laughs> not really. You're absolutely right. Um, so we saw how simple it was to make sauerkraut. We talked about kefir. You seem to really like beet kvass. Tell us about yes, beet I... kvass and why is this good for us? <laughs> well, I guess it's it's all a matter of of. Uh, of preferential taste, but uh, 
You know, I'm a I'm an avid reader, and uh, I, I just don't scan through my books. And I when I read when I got my copy of Sally Fallon, I, I matter of fact, I wrote a little review on my impressions of it in the little booklet that I that I uh, give free when uh, with a DVD. And I mention in there that you should maybe sit down and curl up in a in a chair and just read it. It's that kind of book, but. As I was reading this book, when I got to page 610, mm -hmm. and I read the How to Make Beet Kvass, which is so, so very simple. I mean, it takes beets away and uh, sea salt. And it said, this drink is valuable for its medicinal qualities and as a digestive aid. Beets are just loaded with nutrients. One four-ounce glass morning and night is an excellent blood tonic. It promotes regularity, it aids digestion, it alkalizes the blood, it cleanses the liver, and is a good treatment for kidney stones and other ailments. And it can be used in place of vinegar and salads and other things. Well, you know, John, when I read that, I just, I, you know, there, there was no, no doubt in my mind that I had hit the, you know, the most powerful uh, tonic uh, on earth. Now, would I like it? Well, I love it. It is my very favorite, um, my very favorite drink. Wow! And uh, and beets, um, wonderful for the liver and 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 all. And hey, listen, what we're saying here, you know, cabbage, beets, these are herbs. They are. <laughs> What's an herb? It's a plant. These are plants. <laughs> These so we're are, talking about herbs and, today, and, and these are and these are and and, and these are plants, and you're and you're preparing them in a way that humans have been doing for generations. And it, I trust the wisdom of the ages, thousands of years of wisdom, more than I trust fifty to sixty years of mechanization and marketing. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, this, this, <laughs> this is if, if if we can, if anybody, uh, you know, truly wants, uh, you know, to. Enjoy life to the fullest, even if you have an illness currently, or you have mm -hmm. a disability, or mm -hmm. you haven't done so well. You know, that 180-degree turn, like it did for me that day, can take place in anybody's life, and you can expect nothing but good things to come out of it. And it's it's not some kind of a... what You know what I love, John, also about this thing is it's not... Some kind of a weird um, fad. fad. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's nothing fad about this. There's nothing, uh, nothing at all that indicates that it's a fad diet. It is. It's just finally saying the, that great aha moment that says, "Oh, food! Oh, you mean real food? Mm -hmm. You mean not like a patty? You know that you get in the in the store that's frozen and you." Throw it in the microwave. I mean, a real hamburger patty made even maybe with a with a little bit of, of uh, minced uh, heart, uh, which is very very high in CoQ10, mm -hmm. uh, and things of that nature, and herbs and fermented drinks. I mean, this truly is real food, and and um, I love every moment of it. And, and 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 getting some organ meats in there too, like you said, a little bit of heart in there. Um, we have a local, uh, it's like uh, thunderinghooves.com locally. We It's a local meat. They do a drop-off or let's say we find a local farm and go in and do a share to get a, a bison or something like that where I'm out here in the west where they're roaming around. And, and, uh, and uh, But um, they're often happy to give you their organ meats for literally like free. 
<laughs> oh yeah. I, uh, well, I don't know anymore. Uh, I've gone. Or clothes are really uh, cheap. You know, it's 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 amazing. They're like, you want them? Sure, have them. And it's like, well, God, you're giving me free food. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, it's wonderful stuff, though. And 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 and, and, and with this. You know, not being of fat, there's no multi-level marketing vitamin scheme going on here. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> You know, people spend so much money on that stuff. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, if you just had some beet kvass, made your own sauerkraut, made kefir, had a stinging nettle infusion, threw some dandelion leaves on your salad, you're getting multitudes more nutrition and health and than any of those pills. Yeah, I don't care what vitamin supp- company No is. vitamin supplements can compare. No, and they can't. They're not even in the same league. And and so yeah. once again, contribute. I add that to the the argument that oh, I, you know, I was like someone said, oh, I don't can't afford to eat organic. I said, how much money do you spend on on uh, vitamins a month? <laughs> they kind of got silent and got the point immediately. Um, uh-huh. So. Um, Beat Kavas, an excellent once again demonstration on the DVD. Um, uh, just maybe as a, before I get into some questions that some members had, um, we just actually put up a lesson on Urban to News, um, our free newsletter this week on making um, bone broth. And you even have a demonstration of bone broth on here and showing how simple that is on video. Um, and what's the difference between doing it myself in the kitchen and just buying a carton? Well, again, it's the you know the difference between going down and making your own kefir and going down and buying the stuff that's mm-hmm. stuff. you know you you have no idea what where you're not really getting if you notice the broth that you sometimes get from the store it's watery yes well how, you know I don't think you really know you're just not getting the purity i i I'm assuming a bone broth has a very unique substance in it, and it's a it's a gelatin-like substance. And mm-hmm. I I try to show that in the DVD. But um, cooks that have been doing bone broth understand that when you cook, uh, you know the the bone, especially that has the marrow in it. Uh, oxtails make great gelatin in it, um, and you know as well as uh, uh, marrow bones, what's called marrow bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, chicken bones, chicken feet, all of these things make this gelatin. But bone broth is is a very is very rich in minerals and a mineral that the body can absorb easily. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, uh, bone broth contains calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, silicone, sulfur, and min- trace minerals, and it it contains uh, material from the cartilage and the tendon tendons. Uh, that act like uh, chondroitin sulfate and glucosamine, and you know what people are paying for those bottle things. Yeah. But uh, it, it contains this gelatin. That it's, it's found to be useful in the treatment of, yes, numerous diseases like TB, diabetes, muscle diseases. And, of course, this is information that I have gotten from, uh, from the uh, Weston A. Price Foundation, but I'm reiterating it here because it's so dynamic. And now this gelatin that comes from there uh, attracts uh, and holds liquids, and it facilitates digestion. And babies uh, given uh, this gelatin bone broth have uh-huh. much less, uh, yeah, colic and, and problems, you know, fewer digestive problems when it's added to their milk. Wow. And so, it, it, you know, it's uh, fish stock. Fish stock is another way to mm. do uh 
uh, bone broth, and it's, uh, according to the, the to the traditional lure, it makes childbirth easy and it cures fatigue, and and fish broth will cure almost anything. And uh, there's a South American uh, proverb that says broth and soup made with fish heads and carcasses provides iodine and thyroid strengthening substances. So see, it's it's essential that we learn and incorporate. I, I can't tell you how many times in the past I used to buy these little uh, stew meat uh, hunks of meat, you know, and throw them in a crock pot, and then I'd add water to them. Why? I, and I, <laughs> today I don't do any of that. Today I, I know I, when I'm going to make soup, if it's going to be chicken soup, I go and get my fresh chicken soup, uh, chicken uh, broth, and put my vegetables in my pan, and that's what I use as a broth. I never use water anymore. Mm-hmm. But I also, I also just take bone broth uh, quite often for my, as my dinner drink. I'll, I'll warm a nice cup of bone broth, put salt and pepper on it, maybe even a little garlic, and sit down. It's a very, very, very good drink in, oh, it, yeah. in a cold winter day. That, that's, my bre- <laughs> uh, that's part of my breakfast uh, in the winter months every morning. I take the bone broth, just heat it up, put it in a cup instead of a coffee. Instead of coffee in my cup, I put that in the cup. I mix a little uh, miso from a good miso place. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, South River Isn't Miso. That that SouthRiverMiso.com South has excellent misos. Uh, if you want to get a micro brewed miso, um, they're excellent. And what was that website? SouthRiverMiso.com. Uh, South oh yes. They have a dandelion leek miso, probably one of their most popular. And being loving the dandelion plant personally, um, I, I, I I stock my fridge with that in the winter, and I, I just go through it. Uh, it's it's really great. Um, and uh, I want to mention, too, that um, what's great about bone broth is that it's something that you can do with the rest of your chicken. So, uh, we, you know, we try to get the local farm chickens when we can with the local CSA, but, they, you know, not every time. They're not always available. Um, honestly, our, our local Costco here has organic chickens, um, and so when I can't get my, those, I get those, and uh, it could be as simple as that, and um, we had a good price. And I, uh, uh, we use that. We eat the chicken, and when we're done with the chicken, we make the broth with the carcass. So you, you don't, you know, it's you're going to compost it anyway. <laughs> well, and, uh, and local farmers now are understanding that we want the. They'll uh, often, you know, when they do these chickens, and they're just selling the breast or the thighs or that. Mm-hmm. The backbones are very uh, cheap uh, to purchase, and you can buy those in bulk, freeze them, and that's. A lot of what I make my my bone broth out. Oh, of. good tip. Uh huh. Good tip. That's what I do because uh-huh. uh, you know I because uh, you I can end up with a lot of. For instance, I'm by myself, so I don't have a huge family to take care of. Now you can overdo that because you your bone broth and suddenly you have so much chicken you don't know what to do with it, and so storage is a problem. So using the the backs the chicken backs uh, that you can now buy, uh, both from your farmer, a local farmer, especially from the local farmer, or from um, a health food store. The chicken backs are an easy way to make inexpensive bone broth. And remember, we're talking about economics, which you pointed out here. Mm-hmm. Inexpensive, highly nutrient bone broth, and. Uh, you don't need to have all of that extra chicken because you probably have it from a previous meal before. Right, exactly. 
exactly. So that's that's one of the ways that I do that. Oh, that's a, that's that's a good tip because everyone has different buying habits to, uh, based on who they're buying for. I mean, right. know, I go to Costco because I got a family of four, and I usually just get what's organic and get out of there. <laughs> Which, they, to their credit, they've got more and more of. But, uh, but you know, it's uh, I, I kind of combine all the many stores together when I when I do I end up at the co-op too. Um, let's see. Um, so, so Maria, I just want to get some questions here, and and I'll, I think I'll just start with the uh, question I think we just actually covered um, with. Um, with, uh, someone wanted to know uh, getting the most mineral out of the bones, and I'd say that would have to be the broth, right? What we just talked about, and and uh, and and of course, uh, adding uh, just a little bit of vinegar apparently does uh, is able to extract more of the mineral from mm-hmm. the bones. So mm-hmm. uh, I I really encourage you to put a little bit of vinegar into your bone broth. Okay, and um, let's see. Another question is. Uh, uh, Kelly has been growing beets and cabbage in her garden and wants to preserve them in a traditional way. I make beet kvass and fermented sauerkraut now is needed. Very good, Kelly. Uh, I would like to make a big batches, many quart jars uh, of each one at one time in s- instead and store them at room temperature until needed. Would this be possible or would they need to be refrigerated after three days at room temperature? So what do you have to... Okay, I, I, I'm going to talk to that because this is one of those that I've just done enormous amounts of trying to find out mm-hmm. about this storage uh, business because it seems like we end up buying extra refrigerators and all that kind of stuff. You know, making beet kvass or any of these things like this, you do need a place where it is cooler, Um 40 degrees or 42 degrees or something like that mm-hmm. to keep them for the long term. I, When I make my beet kvass, I leave them three, four days uh, in, in my little fermenting closet. And after that, I do put them in the refrigerator, and I have had to buy an extra refrigerator for most of my ferments because they do require that. Leaving them in, the, in, the, in a lot of heat, for extended periods of time, I just I just think they, you know, they can get too too hot. I think they blow up, they break, they do all kinds of weird things. Now I've heard that in uh, that in Korea that uh, people keep their kimchi, for instance, uh, perpetually going, but and they keep them out in a little in a little you know lanai uh, or a little front porch that they have. Mm-hmm. But I think that for us here, we need either a root cellar. Uh, now, in, here's a tip, though, and this is what I've been doing. Uh, I make less beet, a little bit less beet kvass in the summer uh, and keep a lot of it in what I do keep of it in, in my extra refrigerator. In the winter, it's a little bit different. I don't have a, gar- uh, a basement. I have a garage. So I make a lot of beet kvass in the, uh, at the end season, like now in October. And what I do with that, as a matter of fact, I make other fermented beverages, and then I put them in cardboard boxes and store them in my garage, which by this time and through the spring stays at between uh, 40 and uh, 40 degrees. And so that way I have a lot of storage in my garage because I don't have a basement and I don't have a root cellar, and I have a lot of storage of fermented drinks out in the garage all winter long. 
but they do have to be in a cooler environment. Right. So sorry if you live in Florida. But, however, Kelly lives in um, Mrs. No, MS. Mrs. Oh, she, MS is Mississippi, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so she is in a little warmer area, so she'll have to think about that, figure something out. <laughs> yep, and, and like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's, to leave them out, uh, she, she might want to do some research uh, with the Weston A. Price Foundation or might want to... Uh, uh, communicate with a <clears throat> gentleman named Sander Katz who mm-hmm. wrote Wild Fermentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very, very learned man, and he has enormous amounts of experience in fermenting. But uh, from my my knowledge base, uh, I I have to continue to um, to believe that they were kept in in cellars and. Uh, places I've even heard recently people uh, making a big hole and putting in an old refrigerator down in their backyard, you know, where the, the lid is not, uh, cannot be, uh, you know, closed up for a child or something like that. So there's some safety features there. Mm-hmm. But uh, people are looking for ways now. So uh, this is a, a good time for somebody to come up with a good way to keep our furnace cool for those of us that can't do uh, root cellars. Good, good point. Okay, that was great. Um, so let's see. Uh, in a, another another topic on a question had to do with, uh, and a couple of people uh, were curious about this, um, uh, but Kimberly um, from Virginia, she uh, joined a cow sharing program and has had uh, raw whole milk. Uh, but her and her spouse have put on 15 pounds, and we feel like it's due to the fat in the milk. We, they started skimming and using cream occasionally, and using the cream occasionally for butter. Um, so um, this and another uh, listener wanted to know um, kind of the whole thing about uh, weight gain in general from this perspective. Well, you know, John, this is it's probably one of the most talked about questions that there is in oh, weight, there weight loss. I mean, it's keyword. It's like saying free. Right. You know, everybody runs for it, no matter what it is. I right. mean, if you see it, main pages. And the mantra up to this point has been um, uh, low fat, as you know. It has been low fat, right? But it hasn't worked. We're seeing more obesity and more problems than ever before. And so, what I feel about weight is, I have a, a very, very close friend that we work together and occasionally even do seminars together. Her name is Blair McMorn, mm-hmm. and she is. Uh, I think either the co-chapter or the chapter leader of the Denver, Colorado chapter. And she wrote to one person that asked that very question. Her name was Sally, and she wrote it on a discussion group. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read this little thing. It's not long. Oh, please listen, do. Yeah, listen, listen to her, her, her the, because she's a very seasoned NT uh, cook and, and eater. She says, Sally... Uh, the same is for sugar. It's grains and me that make the fat. It's grains. When I eat fat, I lose fat. I have so much energy even when I'm hungry. I feel sustained. I can wait until good food is ready and I don't have to eat now. Mm-hmm. The book Eat Fat, Lose Fat by Sally Fallon and Mary Ennig is an excellent starter for losing weight. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say, I lost 35 pounds on NT food over several years. No sweat, no hunger, no counting calories. Mm-hmm. Okay, this year I gained five back, 
fell into the Christmas cookie fudge rut, and it got me hooked back on sugar and sweets, which I didn't ditch until February. Darn sugar. And what a mental midget I was. And while I ate all that glorious fat, my physical activity went way down at the same time. I used to be an avid gardener. Since NT, I became an avid computer dork. And this year, I hope to get back into my gardening. Still, some of our members have not lost weight on this diet. I don't get it, but nutrition is so complex and each body so mm -hmm. unique. Mm -hmm. I read that your iodine may go up on this higher-fat diet. Thyroid must certainly be involved. Balancing minerals, another ministry. Hormone, another min mystery. Hormones, again, very powerful stuff. Truly, getting away from sugar and white flour, even Rapidura intake should be modest and non-existent for some. I'm just convinced myself it was poison and that the, and the weight began to melt away. For me, it was simple, but for others, definitely not. So here's the magic ingredients for me. Raw milk, kefir, butter, coconut oil, seaweed, kale, cod liver oil, sea salt, sauerkraut, good eggs, grass-fed beef. Oh, and did I mention coconut oil? Plus a positive mental attitude about eating foods that sustain our earth a sort of thing that you apply on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. She says, as far as detox, I yet have some slightly lousy feeling days, but not bad. Deep down, I knew I was healing. It was a good lousy. Plus, it rarely lasted more than a day or two. So, you see, when you look at these people that have lost 35 pounds, and one of the two things that, are, that come to my mind, and that goes in my case, too, it was gradual. We all want to get back to looking like Twiggy, right? <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. It, yeah, it's the also way, a cultural loss, thing, you know? Weight loss is part of good health, and it, Mother Nature works in very, she works slowly. Plant a seed and see how long it takes to grow. It isn't up in three days. So losing weight is a gradual thing. So you first have to... But the grains and the sugars, the high-carbohydrates, are very difficult. Now, an interesting, one of the most interesting seminars that I just went to in September, which was uh, called Back to School, and it was done by Mark Anderson of Standard Process West, and he discussed in it at length uh, the findings of Dr. Um, Royal Lee. And, and remember that I said that uh, Dr. Weston A. Price worked in tandem with Dr. Royal Lee, and Dr. Royally found that people, uh, for the most part, have digest. We all have some digestive issue, and he encouraged those people that had specific need to to uh, uh, resolve digestive issues so that they can lose weight mm -hmm. to do some food combining. Mm -hmm. Now, and so so, but eating grains and eating too much sugar and eating bread. It is, you know, it's going to put it on you. Um, our and, and, there, yeah. and there are so many other things too. Like I, I with Kimberly Smith, um, the, from the Kimberly from Virginia here, she, you know, I, I can't tell. Maybe she's growing into a weight that's healthy for her, you know, versus the, um, you know, versus the the, the stereotype of what should we you know, that we should all be skinny, which isn't necessarily healthy no and you know so i don't and, know and i mean maybe i don't know or maybe it's maybe 
people who are more obese will find themselves lose weight, but maybe people who are on the skinnier side might find them gaining a little weight. I, I, well, the thing of it is with her, too, if she, if she uh, is beginning to skim her, I mean, she, she's looking at this from skimming the milk. I mean, if, once she starts giving up fat, good fat, she's mm-hmm. going to be hungry, and she's going to replenish that hunger with probably uh, things that she thinks are, are, are uh, more, uh, you know, like sugars. Like That's the key bread. right there. And so don't, don't above all things, don't give up the fat. For that matter, increase your fat intake of good fat. Oh, yeah. And, and get the book, Eat Fat, Lose Fat, by Sally Fallon and Mary Enig, and get on that, and then uh, practice that for the next year, and see if, if uh, practice that for a few months, and see if, in fact, it doesn't turn around. That, that's a good point there, because when you're not eating the fat, then you're looking at other areas, and that's exactly what many of the... Um, well, maybe not all vegetarians, but definitely vegans that I uh, that I know eat some of the worst foods because they're eating these processed snack foods to make up for any hunger, and they're expensive. <laughs> so um, and not great for you. So because they're kind of trying to, they're always hungry. Yeah, and and you know uh, Blair Blair uh, ends her little uh, advice. To uh, Sally here, she says, excuse the cliche, but it's a very personal journey for each body. That's right. I I also think that a good MD or clinical nutritionist can save you time and money. And, John, that's important because sometimes we get so involved in thinking that all that we need is the right food and learning how to make all these things that we suddenly isolate ourselves from any medical treatments and any doctors. Now, I personally uh, steer away from the allopathic, uh, you know, type of, of treatment, but there are times that I may need it. Mm-hmm. But this advice of if you can't lose weight and you've tried and you're really making an effort, like you're reading uh, eat fat, lose fat, and you're still having trouble and stuff, then don't you think it's high time for you to get yourself to a good MD or a clinical nutritionist, like she says, and say, look, do some tests on me. Find out what's going on. Because it could be a thyroid issue or something. Yeah, and so I I do advocate uh, working with someone if you're having uh, weight problems because it's very discouraging to, to, uh, you know, if if you're really truly exercising your hour a day and, and out moving around and doing a lot of things and eating the right way, the NT way. I would also advise that you look for an MD or a clinical nutritionist that is that works with the Western A. Price Food Principles because many of them do not, and so they t- take you and turn you around, and uh, then then you really lost uh, a lot of ground. Right, right. Thank you for all that. Um... Before I get to the last question, there's a second part of someone's question that had to ask about kombucha. Now, since we didn't talk about kombucha here, I just don't want to get into that. But um, the um, you do you do on your DVD cover kombucha. Um, but uh, I guess well, the one part that I maybe just you know just as an aside here, um, any any teas that should not be used. You know, for example, uh, you know. Probably just go with an organic black tea, right, or, or what? Uh, that's what I do, yeah. and there's been a lot of talk about 
well, it's got fluoride, and well, it's got this and this and that. Right. Uh, you know, I just think that, like, uh, in our discussion group, uh, which is, uh, uh, we call it DNT, discussingnt.org, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of discussion about that, and I think that even Sally Fallon um, has uh, uh, chimed in on that, and I think she just uses black organic tea. So I, that's what I continue to use. I'm not afraid of it. And I think that the, she also says that if you're eating healthy, a lot of other healthy foods, uh, you know, the body automatically takes care of, uh, of uh, you know, eliminating some of those toxins that we're going to be involved in just by the mere fact of breathing and eating. So okay. keep your immune system up, but I think you're okay using black organic tea. That's what I use. Any other specific questions uh, people have, they can, you can share that on the HerbMentor.com community forum in their traditional nutrition section. Um, we can have discussions there. Um, if, if, you're, if questions have come up uh, as you're listening here, or maybe we didn't get to your question. Uh, I'll end with Tina Sam's question, because we started talking, uh, mentioning Tina. And, and uh, you know, Tina wants to know, number one, What's one food Maria makes that wouldn't be without? And, of course, one food that never crosses your lips, the worst of the worst. So quickly there, Maria, uh, without getting too into <laughs> what's well, one I, that you I wouldn't be without and one, one that you would that never crosses your lips. <laughs> well, so to make it simple, my absolute favorite is beet kvass. Yes. I mentioned why mm-hmm. I, on page 610 of the Nursing Traditions, uh, it's a basic recipe, and I make variations of it now. I make beet kvass now with cranberries, cranberry juice. I make beet kvass with the leaf greens. I make a lot of variations on that. I do plan in the future, um, the good Lord willing, I will make another DVD cover leather area so that if people want to, so. uh, you know, feed, feedback, <laughs> anything that they would like me to do, I, I would, of course, put priority on that. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the food that I the, the food that I would not let pass my lips, it's really hard to say never, because there's you know been times when circumstances did not permit me to be in a place where I could, uh, you know, eat the wonderful NT foods that I now cook. But I can tell you that here's what I think: restaurant food. It's by far that which gives me the most concern and and which I make every effort to avoid. Even when traveling, I prefer to stop at a grocery store and buy a fruit or a little package of pig skins or something of that nature. The restaurant scene today, and of course, in my humble opinion, should be avoided at all costs Mm. because not only are the foods cooked in aluminum or low-grade stainless steel, which makes them a toxic metal soup, but the oils that are used in it are those which have been proven to cause some of the greatest health issues since their introduction. Mm-hmm. Now, add to that the highly unsanitary conditions of most restaurants, where the plates and utensils are rinsed in another toxic soup to sanitize them. Mm-hmm. And then, I think that I think you got my picture, but there's a few restaurants that seem to be getting it, but and are yeah, if you live in a cool area, cool enough area, oil. you're going to find. If you live in a certain area, like you're going to find a few that 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 make efforts and know this. And there are some. There's a local one around us that despises local organic meats. Um, you know, and they try to do yeah. this, but but yeah, for the most part, it's for the true. most part, there there uh, there's there's just not enough good healthy eating places, and there are hidden treasures and people that uh, 
really would want to make a huge that have the money that maybe could get together and make an investment. I mean, they would make multi millions of dollars because in a very short time, because people are just screaming for good, healthy food and not finding it. So, my worst restaurants. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Interesting. That was not what I. I was gonna thought. I thought maybe you were gonna say you know, or in the Halloween time of year, and I was dropping my car off yesterday at the mechanic, and you know, he's got this big bowl of Reese's peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, it's like a drug, you know, your, your hand just starts going over and you pull it back and then you go. <laughs> yes, right. Well, you know, yeah, because we, we thought better, better, I mean, you know, all processed foods should be avoided, but right. I, I, but really truly, I think the, 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 the worst is that we, the worst thing that we do often do is, uh, we think we're doing ourselves a favor. Oh, because we eat so much at home, you know, let's go out and have a little burrito or a little this or a little that. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's just. It's to me. It's like a, like a little, like a venial sin. And, and I, I should mention <laughs> like too that, <laughs> that that everyone. This is a process. Um, you know, uh, I like this article in the Wise Traditions I mentioned earlier that that was written. Um, that I mentioned earlier that you know, says that well, in her family they follow an eighty twenty rule. You know, eighty percent is good nourishing food, and twenty percent they leave to chance. And uh, which you know, if you've got kids in the house and you're out and about it. In other words, be, forgive yourself. Don't take, you know, take your time and don't beat yourself up if you don't get the, everything together overnight. You know, you're just, it's a process, right? It is. It's definitely a process. It's something that, uh, like I said, there is, a, there is a pivotal moment in everybody's life and some people have to get very, very sick to reach that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we do and we realize what a treasure real foods are, John, and herbs, especially herbs. I've got uh, an interesting little, um, uh, if you will, comment that I make on my website. It's called I Believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would want everybody that's listening today and and just everyone to go and read that. It is sort of a a consummation of all the things that I truly believe in, and I think it's there. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they'll look at that and... uh, it might inspire somebody to go forward and, and begin to make the turnaround. Yeah, Maria, this has probably been one of the longest mentor radios I've ever done because I've been just having so much fun talking with you, and you have so much wonderful wisdom. Um, you know, so I didn't even notice that I went 20 minutes over that I usually do. See, but it doesn't matter. We're not on commercial radio. We can do what we want. <laughs> so I, um, well, you, you know, may have some listeners that, that shut us off, John. About oh, no. I'm if it, This is fun. Are you kidding? Uh, no, we're, we're here to make information available to people and, and entertain them at the same time. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the privilege. So, you know, I, I just, once again, I, I just, you know, love the simplicity in which you um, lay everything out um, on your on your DVD. Um, you know, I Kimberly and I really enjoyed it, and, and Kimberly was excited uh, for a couple of things on there that she didn't, uh, never seen demonstrated. It's like a whole weekend workshop on one DVD, so um, it's, uh, and I mentioned that if you go to traditionalcook.com, and, and if you don't own Nourishing Traditions yet, you can get it there packaged with the DVD, 
Also on traditionalcook.com, Maria has other things and treasures that you may want to check out, like uh, um, stoneware, dehydrators, things like that, if you really get into this stuff. And like you, like you're all into supporting learningherbs.com and you know your home business and, and, you, and you like us and what we do and you like supporting us, uh, same, same here. You know, Maria put this together on her own. She, it's a whole total home handcrafted business um it's a wonderful uh wonderful job maria um i'm very impressed um so uh once again cook your way to wellness on traditionalcook.com so maria thank you very much and and uh once there's enough lively discussion maybe we can on the forum and we get tons of questions uh we might have to have you back sometime well, no problem at all. I'd be happy to come back, John. There's always plenty to talk about. All right. <laughs> so thanks so much. Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons, including Herb Mentor News, Home Remedy Secrets, and Supermarket Herbalism. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and our board game Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio, copyright learningherbs.com, all rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.